We are live. We are live. Welcome to a special episode of Stock Call. Happy hour edition. Click. Uh, this is episode number 32, where myself, Jake, uh, usually in New York, but I'm in South Carolina today, and Daniel up in Calgary, Canada. We are huge stock nerds, and we bring to you Stock Talk, where we talk about earnings reports, stocks in the market. Today, we're going to be talking about some alcohol stocks with our adult beverages, and as always, we love interacting with the stream. Daniel, how's your day going so far? Happy Friday. Yeah, happy Friday. It's going good. Um, yeah, it's just been a, a good day. Ready to start the weekend. I'm going camping this weekend. So excited to get out of the city. <clears throat> yeah, that's, that sounds nice. I will actually be at the beach tomorrow. Uh, so looks like we're both going to be enjoying ourselves. And I, for everyone in the chat, hope that you are all having a great weekend as well. Let us know what your weekend plans are in the chat. We love getting to know you all a little bit. Kevin, Staccato, Rob, True. Great to see you all. Lots of comments here. And yeah, this, we are normally live on Saturday. Uh, you could catch us on Spotify if you're live with us today. Hello. And if you're watching the recording and you're not live, come hang out with us live sometime. Super fun. Yeah, we're uh, doing this today because we're both going to be busy tomorrow. So we're doing it on a Friday afternoon this time. Yeah. Have you been uh, buying or selling anything in the market this week, Daniel, or are you keeping it dry? I can't. Yeah, I said in a previous stream, um, tax season hit me pretty hard. So I'm I'm building up the the emergency savings account again. I had to dip into that. So it's probably going to be about another month, maybe another four to six weeks before I can buy again. And then I'll start buying consistently and I should not have any issues, hopefully, for about another year until tax tax time comes again. So yeah, not, not buying too much right now. I wish I could be buying. Um... It's actually weird, though. It's kind of a weird market. I mean, NVIDIA is super expensive, in my opinion. The overall S&P 500 is running quite a bit, and it's quite expensive, in my opinion. Even Google is back up to, like, a 25 price to free cash flow, which is, like, on average, with its 10-year average. So, you know, I don't think things are necessarily super cheap anymore. I agree, and it depends where you look, but... Most stocks I am not really liking. Like you said, a lot of things have ran a lot. I did actually buy a couple more shares of Airbnb this week at 104.69 and 105.20 something. Got some more shares. I We are not going to talk about Airbnb. If you want to hear about it, we have talked about that at length in past streams. I also saw a funny comment up here. I don't think we're going to be talking about BAM or BN. BAM, uh, one of Daniel's favorite stocks. I think he put out a great video on that. You actually had a really good tweet on NVIDIA, though. I think it was a really good description of what uh, the market is pricing in. And some people are even starting to call NVIDIA being a bubble stock. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's definitely looking bubbly. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's very expensive in my opinion. It's It's just like, you know, its revenues are going down. Its free cash flows are going down currently. And the stock price is going the total opposite way. So here, let me actually just share my screen. I'll show you exactly what I'm seeing here. Yeah, because that DCF you made was really insightful. I mean, I looked at that tweet and was just like, wow. I mean, that really just painted a picture of what the market is really pricing in here. Yeah, so first off, I'll show you guys the freeform tool and what's going on here with NVIDIA. And just kind of sharing my thoughts. So first, we're going to take a look at the company. So you can see in the chilling 12 months, the company's revenue is starting to dip down. It's down about 10-ish percent from its all-time highs. We take a look at free cash flow. Free cash flow is down over 50% from the all-time highs. And even, I believe, operating cash flow is down, what would that be? About 40% from the all-time highs. So this business is currently not really growing. Um, now, if you take a look, however, at its stock price, it has just gone all the way up despite the fundamentals going down. So it's completely detached from the fundamentals now, in my opinion, which means that the price to free cash flow has done this, and it's now at 205. Even if you do price to sales, which is a metric I really dislike using, but the price to sales of the stock now is at 30. Oh, wow. While well, the fundamentals are going down. So I went to our DCF tool and I was like, okay, what is the market actually pricing in here? So this is called doing a reverse DCF, and it's basically to figure out 
what the market is currently pricing in to the fair value or just basically what the market is pricing in right now. So I'm going to close that notification quick. So we're going to do free cash flow over the next five years. Let's say that they continue buying back shares or sorry, right here. Let's just say that they continue buying back about 0%, whatever. We're going to give it a 60 price to free cash flow. And we're going to now manipulate the growth rate to find the fair value of the stock today to get the fair value of what the stock is trading at today. So I think it was 40. Yeah. So what NVIDIA is pricing in right now is 40% compounded annual free cash flow growth and a 60 price to free cash flow. And then you get the fair value today um, is right around $312. So this is what the market is currently pricing in. And if these numbers sound a little bit too optimistic, then, you know, it looks expensive. And also what this means is that let's say NVIDIA misses this by 10% and grows at 30% annually. They'll trade at a 60 price to free cash flow. Then the fair value is 31% below where it's currently trading. So basically, if the stock or the company does not hit these metrics right here, then investors are not really going to make money over the next five years, or they're going to make under 10% a year. So I just think it's super expensive. I think it's factoring in way too much growth now. Yeah, I think people are definitely riding the AI hype bubble here. Uh, NVIDIA creates uh, processing chips and GPUs that are widely used for a lot of the AI models when they're crunching a lot of numbers and data to give you chat GPT, BARD, all these fun things. And for those of you who are watching the video, uh, we are using the Freeform tool and Stock and Lock as well as the DCF tool. And we have tutorials for all of these. If any of that was confusing, we'll walk you all through it in Stock and Lock. And yeah, man, I agree. It was... <laughs> The video of the stock, I personally, not financial advice, just would not touch right now. I'm cheering for people that are holding it. Like, I never, ever want people to lose money. But you and I, I call us value investors, right? We try to find businesses that are growing, doing well, but also have a price relative to their market capitalization that seems sane, uh, whether we judge that by free cash flow or operating cash flow. So I, I agree. I mean, this, it looks like people are really betting the farm that this is going to just continue to compound 40% a year. It's hard for me to see them hitting those numbers, but hey, maybe we'll quote this video back and they make it, but it, it seems like a long shot. Yeah. To me, it seems, I, I mean, like, who knows? They could do it, right? Who knows? But when the stock is already pricing in that much growth, it's like, that's where the risk is. Because again, if they don't hit 40% annual free cash flow growth, and traded a 60 price to free cash flow, then like you're not going to make really any money on the stock. So yeah, it's yeah. priced for perfection in my opinion. And if anything less than that happens, then yeah, not, it's not going to, not going to be a great investment in my opinion. Yep. Oh yeah. Grape jelly in here again. Remember you from the last stream, great name. The video is clearly a short fed rally. Well, we'll see. Um, we have a lot of people in here asking about Baba stock. I'm not sure if you've had a chance to go through their earnings yet. I have not. I've been traveling a bit. I'm not either. I'm not taking a look. That might be a good one for next week. I think Daniel and I always do our best not to talk about things we're not prepared for. Um, yeah, I looked like a little bit at some of just like the highlights, which is not enough for me to want to talk about on a stream and just didn't really seem too great, uh, you know, kind of like lack of growth. And obviously we've talked a lot on the stream too about a lot of the issues China's facing as well as Baba's cloud business not being... Like, who would want to use a cloud where the CCP, uh, the Chinese government, like, basically controls these companies? What do you have access to Google Cloud, Amazon, Microsoft, just to name a few? And we're, we're seeing that play out in the market. So, and, and it sucks. I think you and I are both uh, bag holders there. And full disclosure, I, I'm definitely down around 50% of that stock, and it does not feel good. Yeah. Yeah. As a myth. I think I'm down on my overall position right now pretty sure yeah anyways well since this is a happy hour stream i thought it'd be fun to, to do a stock analysis of Budweiser. what do you think about that uh sure yeah let's take a quick look at some budweiser stock why not i don't drink budweiser but we'll take a look actually not a huge beer guy I was surprised when you had a can, but what's in that can? You said it's like a gin drink, so... Yeah, it's called, uh, it's called a Tempo. It's a, a gin drink with zero sugar, which is good. 
Yeah, you like that artificial sweetener? Sure do. Love this too. <laughs> For yeah, I've got a, I've got an IPA here. If anyone's got water or anything else in the chat, let us know what you're sipping on this lovely Friday. Again, normally we do Saturday morning. We do not really drink that much. We will not be uh, having adult beverages on a Saturday morning, or at least I won't. Um, <laughs> I'm camping tomorrow, so can't guarantee anything, man. <laughs> Anyways, I'm also going to be playing golf at 10 a.m., so we'll see. Um, all right, we're looking at Budweiser. This company has an insights. Well, wait a second. What is the stock done? It's up. Okay, it's up since 2008, but from its all-time highs, what is happening here? Down 53%. I believe I heard that the stock is going through some sort of controversy right now with some sort of advertising campaign they did. I have no idea about that, but um, that might be something worth looking into. Let's look at the insights, though. Free cash flow has declined over the past year. Dividends, ooh. Dividend yield is not that great right now. Dividends have actually gone down over the past five years. So they've apparently lowered the dividend. At least they can afford to pay it, though, because it would be worse to see them continuing to pay a dividend that they can't afford. Yeah. Um, financial health 1.8, current ratio below 1. Lots of intangibles. Shares have slightly increased. Debt to EBITDA is not that great. Tangible book value, negative 80 billion. Wow. Okay. Um, growth? Looks like decent growth. Nothing amazing, but like it looks like it grows. Okay. Profitability is decent. Free cash flow margin, 14%. I don't know. It looks like an okay stock. I mean, they're not financially sound. Their dividend was lowered, but not like anything huge sticking out. Yeah. When I look at businesses that are this big and global, the question I ask myself is how, how many more markets are there for them to break into that they haven't yet? So, you know, how much more revenue can they make? And also, where are they priced? Because their consumers are usually used to a particular price. So even like looking at the margins and stuff like that, it kind of seems like they did top off a bit. So I would kind of be curious to see, you know, how is this company going to continue to grow? Some people might say, well, it's just a dividend stock and they throw off free cash flow and give back to shareholders. But it also seems like their dividend was declining. Yeah. Not great. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like... I mean, their operating cash flow has been not doing much for about 10 years. Free cash flow looks like it's down from its all-time highs. Yeah, it's just super flat. What is it? You got a comment from Grape Jelly again. I'm actually not seeing that these are all from you, Grape Jelly, so it's uh, just love your comments, apparently. But is so screwed beyond belief. People mostly buy it for memes now. Uh, I honestly... I have no opinion of this stock. It is a very boring stock to me. It doesn't really look that exciting at all. I don't really see a ton of reasons to own it personally. It's not growing. It has like not the best balance sheet. It has a 7% free cash flow yield, but that's not enough to get me excited about it. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's all I can offer. <laughs> I'll give it a cheers to Christy in the chat here. Not a bug fan. More into my IPAs like Jake. Uh, yes, we got an airbrush hazy IPA here. Uh, actually brewed in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, which is close to where I'm at. But yeah, we are getting a lot of great questions in the chat, Daniel. I'm not sure if you want to graze these, see see what catches your eye. We do our best to get to all the comments. It is impossible to, so we do not get upset if you repeat your comment if you think that we missed it. Okay, Daniel Raduco, is this a video request for me to make a full dedicated video on uh, Alibaba? Uh, let me know in the comments. Sounds like that could be what's going on there. Um, thoughts on Foot Locker from Rob. I believe Foot Locker dropped 30% today. Whoa. Yeah, I, I think they're checking that out. I think they reported their earnings, but yeah, it looked like the earnings were not that good. We also had a question from our Discord to take a look at Dollarama. And we get this stock quite a bit, so we can take a look at Dollarama. Why not? Still, oh my gosh, Foot Locker was down twenty seven percent today. That's a that's a drop. Dollarama, a Canadian company. It's on the Canadian stock exchange. Yeah, I think it was DOL.to or something. Heck yeah, Canada. Let's go. <laughs> Just <laughs> always always waiting for the innocent uh, Canada plug. 
And also, some of you may notice I did say Calgary, Canada today. I usually just say, how's the weather up there in Canada? So we're getting more city-specific. I forgot who that was, but there was a very polite comment on the last live stream that I should be a little bit more specific and not generalize Canada so much. Okay, so Dollarama. Um, since 2008, it is up about 2,500% versus the S&P 500's 285%. So massively outperforming the S&P 500. Looks like it pays a dividend. Um, price to free cash flow is not unreasonable. Let's take a look though at, let's take a look at its insights first. What's going on? Dividends are good. 4.0, nothing really bad there to see. Financial health current ratio is just below one. Basically. It's a quick step back. What does this company do? Oh, sorry. Um, let's see the official here. Engages in the provision of online shopping services to various customers. Okay. It's like a dollar. dollar? It's a dollar okay. store. It's a dollar store chain. Um, okay, back to insights. Financial health, 2.8 average. Buying back shares. Tangible book value is slightly negative. Okay. Not a lot of intangibles, though. Growth is 4.25. Revenue is good. Gross profit, operating income, net income, all good. Operating cash flow, 36%. Free cash flow, 29%. Very profitable as well. Almost yeah, a I mean, love seeing the profitability growth score combo there, both being high. And the returns are also good. ROIC is very high. Okay. So looks like it's looks like it's pretty dang good, honestly. Let's take a look. That's a pretty consistent revenue growth. Holy smokes. It's like every quarter. Basically every quarter it grows. Wow. Okay. Um cash flow. Operating cash flow. I don't know what happened here, but operating cash flow looks like it's a little bit more cyclical, but overall it's growing. But what about free cash flow? Free cash flow is also uptrending. So, I mean, this is like, honestly, that's a very consistent revenue growth graph. Um, let's take a look at how it's been valued historically. Because it's at a 25 price to free cash flow today. That's not like insane, but let's take a yeah. look. I might have missed saw this before. It looked like they were repaying back debt. So I do wonder like if this company had taken on a lot of debt. Um, No, they were buying back shares. It looked like that's where almost all the free cash flow is going. Gotcha. Um, Okay. 25. Looks like you got down to 19. Let's take a look over the past about decade. So the average is 27, medium's 28, latest is 24.6. The lowest it's ever been is zero, but outside of that, it was 19 in the stock market crash, 19 here. So it doesn't look like it's honestly that expensive. I mean, relative to its history, it's actually below average. And the lowest the stock seems to go is a price to free cash flow of around 19. So it's like 20-ish percent above it's the lowest it's been over the past decade and it's below its historical averages so if this company can continue growing like it has been then it, it really doesn't look that expensive right now even though it's near all-time highs i know people do love dollar stores as inflation continues to move up you know as it does every year i'd always ask myself how can you keep on pricing things for a dollar i know like dollar generals at least in the united states they change from being a dollar store to everything is rounded to a dollar and then things are like one to five dollars i'm not sure if they're doing that too but yeah the most impressive thing i saw there daniel was that revenue growth i mean straight line yeah i would take looking like if i was seriously going to consider the stock which i might honestly we'll see but i don't want it right now but i would want to know like how are they going to continue growing they're a 25 billion dollar company so like, where's growth going to continue coming from? It doesn't look like they really have a problem with growth right now, but I would just want to understand the business more. Yeah, that's a like, lot of dollars. Yeah, and like get on board with its uh, with growth plans because I don't know what they are right now. No idea. But yeah, looks looks decent. Not bad. Nice. And yeah, for the person who asked about that, if you have any thesis, please share it in the chat. Let's you know collaborate on some just for fun investment research here. Yeah. So. Foot Locker dropped 30% today, but it was from earnings that were reported today, so I haven't looked through them. 
and we will not have those earnings on stock unlocked for a few more days. So I can't really can't really analyze that too much. Um. All right, let's just move on to the next one. Evolution AB. Let's take a look. I've never heard of this. Me either. Evolution. It's on at the OTC, apparently. What public in 2020? Oh my goodness. It is up quite a bit. Up 300%. Looks like it's a hotel, leisure, and restaurant company. Okay. What does it do? Development, production, marketing, and licensing business to business and casinos to gaming operators. So, is this a casino stock? Yeah, and random question, Daniel. Are there any industries that you won't invest in? So, gambling, I think, cigarette companies, things like that. Do you have any type of company where even if it was the best investment opportunity you ever saw, you just wouldn't buy it because you don't want to put your dollars towards it? Or is it kind of, you know, free market out there, you'll you'll make a dollar where you can? Because I probably would buy a casino company, even though I'm like, it makes me feel a little weird to support gambling because I have some... Uh, just like not not myself, but there's been negative things associated with gambling with other people that I know. How do you feel about it? I haven't really thought about that one too deeply. I think I would own the stock. I think I would invest in a gambling company if it's if it's looking good, if it's making money, and it looks like a good investment, and I can get it at a good price. Then I would not be opposed to buying it. Um. I mean, yeah. In terms of my investing, I don't really know if there would be a company that I would not buy. And I don't want to give a blanket statement because I haven't thought about every single scenario. But as of right now, I can't think of an industry that I would avoid. Yeah, fair enough. And there's no right or wrong answer here. Yeah. I'm not one of those people to... Well, for example, if I wouldn't buy a certain company but someone else does, I will still be your friend. Uh, one example for me is I don't know if I would buy like cigarette, uh, like tobacco companies, but I don't think I would buy tobacco co sorry companies because I am not confident in the future of that industry. So that would be like my reason for not doing it. I don't know. I'm seeing people buy those like uh, nicotine vape pens in New York City like crazy. There, people walking around with those things like they're pacifiers down there. All right. Um, getting back to the stock though. It looks like this is a highly profitable business. You can see that the revenue has been growing much more rapidly than the company's expenses. So the revenue is the green bar. The expenses are the other colored bar. And the revenue has just been exploding while expenses have not really been growing nearly as quickly. So seems like it's uh, pretty solid. Auto actually has a comment here. He says, you got my attention now. Check the operating margins, Daniel. So it seems like you're kind of barking down that direction as well. Yeah, so it's got 17% intangible assets, 53% goodwill. That's about 70% of the assets are goodwill and intangibles, 12% cash. Got very little liabilities relative to assets, though, so probably not a big deal. Um, let's take a look at cash flow. Cash flow is, oops, growing very nicely at an all-time high. And then I imagine that means, well, actually, wait, what are the CapEx? CapEx is 96 million. Cash flow is 877. So CapEx is around 13% of operating cash flow, which means that it's generating a lot of free cash flow, 780 million. That growth rate too is nuts. Like I wonder what happened about like 10 years ago. It seems like the company kind of just started rocketing off. Yeah. Insiders also look like they're buying. I mean, Insider right here on May 2nd bought more. April bought more. There was some insider selling right here, though. Some pretty big insider selling, actually. But yeah, overall, it looks like insiders have been buying. This looks like a pretty strong stock, honestly. Looks like it's growing pretty quick. Insight score is 4.4. That's pretty high. All right, what is its price doing? So down here, it got to a price to free cash flow of about 24. 25 here so this was actually over the past over the past what would that be about seven years right here on november or sorry in november of 2022 
This was actually the cheapest the stock looks like it's been over the past seven years was in November of 2022. Now it's back up to a 34 price to free cash flow. It's like tech tech stock multiples over here with this stock, but I mean, admittedly deserved for the growth it's seeing. Yeah, and its margins are very high. Yeah. Wow, the chat chat's coming in uh, hot with some cool stock suggestions. I mean, this one looks pretty... Free cash flow margin is 54%. That is insane. What? <laughs> Get gambling business is sounding a little bit better right now. Gambling <laughs> companies are making money, dude. Wow. That is insane. That's better than Airbnb on a trailing 12-months basis. We're going to take a look at Meta, because what was Meta's highest free cash flow margin ever? I want to know. Meta's highest was 48. So this company is more profitable than Meta was at their peak. Wow. That is actually insane. This is, this is pretty incredible. <laughs> that is... Going to add it to the watch list, not not financial advice. I mean, you, you do not own this security, correct? And revenue has compounded at 54% over the past five years. This stock is ridiculous, man. What? Okay, yeah, this is a... It's an interesting one. That is a very interesting stock. I don't know. I would just want to know, like... How are they going to continue capturing that level of growth? Or... Were people gambling with all the free money that was just, you know, put in the economy? And are people still going to be willing to gamble if the economy slows down? I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. But I would want to at least look into those um, questions. But so far, man, that is uh, that is a beast. <laughs> it's freaking beasts. We got a comment here uh, from Beer Treats, uh, Pinto Suarez. One of the best companies in the world, Evolution. And uh, Stockado is also chiming in here that they basically have uh, the land and the studios. They just keep adding more tables in the same studio and offer it to offline casino players. Yeah, I mean, seems like an easy business to understand too, which is something I always look for personally. I mean, I know you and I go back and forth on this sometimes of how complicated a business is to understand, but this one seems pretty basic. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Um getting some questions here i'll do this one take a look at aritzia or sorry it's actually not the question i'll do this one then think of apparel companies being at a five-year low and very close is a bad indicator as the market as a whole um so apparel companies the reason i don't own them is i just have no idea like let's take aritzia for example it recently dropped quite a bit i have no idea if the company is slow down is a short-term thing or if consumers are not resonating with the brand anymore or if they're going to resonate with the brand in five years i genuinely have no idea so for me apparel companies i feel like are speculative for me because i, I don't understand the industry it's like very far outside of my circle of competence especially because i like to shop at thrift stores and whatnot like i don't buy brand names <laughs> so it's hard for me to want to. Want what, to what do you got? What do you got on your uh, chest right now, though? Well, is this brand? This is custom, bro. Stock and lock. Custom. <laughs> but, but no, like, I like going thrift shopping for my clothes. It's fun, and I always find something cool. Yeah, and it doesn't break the bank either. It, no, it, the brand is like five bucks. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with you on evaluating clothing brands. I think that they could be good investments, but like you said, you need to understand the industry well. It's very hard for me to quantify value of brands. One thing I think people can look into and what fun companies are doing well is companies like Nike, making sure that you're able to get into online sellers, continue to ride the internet evolution. And not that I want to try to make a weird like Web3 tangent off of this, but just generally looking for companies that are staying innovative and on top of the trends. I don't know if NFTs are going to be big, but I am seeing certain brands kind of like move with technology in the industry and other brands kind of be left behind. And that's the same case with all industries, companies, you know, you either innovate and keep up or you stop innovating and either slowly die or, you know, get bought out. But yeah, sorry. Look, but... On SoFi, I have not looked at SoFi for a very long time. I do, I do remember the stock was trading up at like 20 something bucks for a while. It's been really wiping the floor around $5. 
it's been a really long time since I looked into it, but what's funny, I do own a few shares of this company, but it's for reasons people won't expect, not financial advice. I just really wanted to hold the SPAC and see it turn into a real stock. So I bought maybe like five or 10 shares of this stock just for fun, like for no other reason other than being like, I just want to see this happen. I'm still holding them, but yeah, I have not, I have not dove into their financials for a long time. Yeah, I, I haven't either. I actually have no idea what's going on at some point. I'm going to, you know, Daniel, I'm going to put this one on my research list for a future live stream because there are a lot of interesting things going on with SoFi. I mean, obviously they're kind of the banking sector, but uh, a very technology forward business. One thing that I've always just struggled to understand with them is what their moat is. And I feel like I say this a lot with financial companies. It doesn't make them bad investments, but just for me as an investor, I like to be able to explain to a five-year-old why this business is defensible, why it's hard for another competitor to come in and copy them and like why they have pricing power. It is very hard for me to do that with companies like SoFi. Yeah, fair. Um, what do you think about PayPal? I hate it. Like, <laughs> I, I add, do I have space to do like a little mini rant right here? We'll cap it. Sure. All right. We, we have so many. <laughs> it's not gonna be that long. We have so many people on these streams come in and ask us to analyze stocks, and it's not happening today. But it is so often that we look at stocks and said, oh, what's this company do? Oh, it's a payment processing company. Oh, what does this company do? Oh, it's a payment processing company. So like one, how many of there, how many of these can there be? I think PayPal did have a place when technology was still developing where it was actually hard to send payments. The simplest way I can summarize my thoughts is I don't think PayPal has a moat at all. I don't think it's managed well. I had a customer experience with PayPal literally two months ago that made me want to take my computer and slingshot it out of a window. <laughs> like, I, dude, I have nothing good to say about PayPal, honestly. I, no moat, not necessarily terrible customer service. And I just see these things becoming a feature of existing big businesses, not a, to me, they're more of like a product. And at one point they had really cool founders and now they're all gone. Yeah. So PayPal, I'm a user of PayPal reluctantly. I don't enjoy using PayPal either. Um, but what was I going to say? Oh yeah, last year or there was, I don't know if it was last year or the year before that, but over the past few years, they came out with a press release that was basically like, if we think that you are spreading misinformation, we are going to tax your account or fine your account $2,500 or something like that. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, if you guys believe that someone is spreading misinformation in your opinion, you are going to take $2,500 from their account. How does that sound like a good business move at all? And then obviously their stock dropped on the news and people were freaking out. I believe they lost customers because of it, rightfully so. But even though they backtracked on that idea, they still had the idea in the first place. And for me, I was just like, I would never feel comfortable now having a significant amount of money with PayPal. I got you. I... It was I hate saying this on stream. You were breaking up for me a lot during that. I'm not sure if that was happening to other people, but I heard most of the words. They just basically did a political cor political correctness stunt that pissed a lot of people off. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, their users aren't growing. I, I did take a look at the stock, and their users are not growing. They're not really gaining more customers. So how the business is growing now is they're making more revenue off of every customer. And then my concern with that is like how much revenue can you suck out of every customer before they feel like you're pinching them and then they end up being like okay you guys are charging me way too much money and then they end up leaving because there's a limit there you cannot gain infinite amount of money off of every customer so PayPal very real right now in my opinion has a ceiling to how far the business can go and I don't know where that ceiling is it could be could be hit within the next two years I have no idea so I don't know Dude, I totally forgot about that too. What you brought up with them, pretend, like saying that they were going to hold your money or not give it back if you said something that they deemed was not politically correct. I'm like, do it. What world are we living in right now where like corporations are like deciding to censor people and like limit them financially? I don't even know how that was legal. It's terrible. And yeah, if you get pissed off at PayPal's business, surprise, there's 20 freaking other companies being created every week that are giving you the exact same service. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. It's uh, I hate it. it's a weird time. You definitely, I, I would really, I just hope that 
companies would just try and stay out of politics more, you know? That to me seems like the best way for every company to make the most money possible is just not dive into politics or share your political views. Like me, I don't share mine. I've never shared mine on any channel. I don't think it's, I don't think it adds value. I stay out of it. like that. I don't think anyone's ever asked us that either, but of course you might get a troll in here right now. Yeah, it's good. And there you have PayPal stock, uh, thumbs down from us, not financial advice. And also if you hold the stock, you know, we generally hope the best for you. Maybe, maybe we're wrong, but yeah. In terms of, okay, let's say that PayPal is going to grow in the future and the business is fine. Through that perspective, the stock is trading near its historical lows, if not an all-time low right now. And um, it is generating cash flow. I think they're going to do five billion in cash flow. The cash flow hasn't grown in two years, but they are going to do five billion in cash flow, and they're going to buy back four billion of stock this year with organic cash flow. So, I mean, as long as the business stays alive, then there will be a price where it will look attractive. I don't know where that price is, and personally, I just don't know if I'd buy it. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Ah, let's take a look. Some more stuff. If I'm, if I'm looking confused, by the way, Daniel, we're just going to have to ride this out. I think my internet is bad, and I'm hearing maybe half the words you're saying. So if you see me just being quiet, just please keep talking. <laughs> but yeah, we got a couple of comments here about Callaway Golf. I've actually seen a lot of golf courses in South Carolina uh, and lots of people on them. So seems hot. Uh, for Callaway. One second. I'm, uh, I'm gonna answer this question. Do you feel that too much focus is being given on companies' ESG score that leads to companies trying to move to pleasing stakeholders rather than shareholders? Um, I don't know if they're focusing too much or not. I, I honestly would say I don't really have an opinion here. What I will tell you is... When I'm looking through a company's presentation and I see the ESG slide, I skip right over it. I do not read it. So same. That's kind of my opinion. I I don't really have one. Um, yeah, I mean the the intentions behind it are good, of course, but there's been a lot of uh, politicizing around ESG. Yeah, I remember Tesla was not even put on a list of companies that are like ESG friendly, and some of the biggest oil companies in the world were. And you just kind of realize this is another one of those politics games where I know what it feels like to me too yes yeah. like here's our esg slide a big pat on the back for us and then who knows what actually happens well because there's esg funds right and then you have huge yeah. huge endowments and people's 401k so people are really like getting competitive to get that money in the door and it just seems that it's really clouded what the original intent was but again yeah it's just something i don't really think about a lot same as you yeah because it it doesn't really help the business right i mean i don't want to sound like a jerk but we invest in businesses to grow and to generate revenue and to create cash flow and buy back shares and dividends. Like, I don't see how ESG relates to that. Now, that being said, I don't want to buy into a coal mining company, right? Like that is something I might not want to support. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's very fair. Um, I'm seeing a lot of tickers for Callaway, so I'm just going to do the OTC ticker and I'll share my screen. Okay, Um, let's take a look. So it looks like they IPO'd in 20... Wait, sorry. No, definitely not. They IPO'd... Well, they've been around for over 20 years. Yeah, I think we have the IPO date at the bottom in the About section, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. 1992. That's the year I was born. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Okay. Um, <laughs> Since 2020, they're actually down. No free cash flow yield right now, which means that the business is not free cash flow positive currently. Let's, let's take a look. Negative cash flow, 535 million. Cash runway of four months. So they don't have a lot of cash, that means. Um, financial health is two. Current ratio, 1.63. Shares have increased debt to EBITDA ratio, 4.2. Profitability is only two. Gross margin is good, but every other margin is bad. Um, operating cash flow decreasing. Revenue is growing. Gross profits growing. But profitability metrics are not that good. So let's take a look. Take a look what's going on here. So this business looks like it's growing its revenues, but you can see that the expenses have basically grown in line with the revenues. Now, if you go back and take a look at Evolution, which we just took a look at, 
that would be an example of a good business in my opinion because the revenue is growing much more rapidly than the expenses but on this business like the, the expenses are just growing right in line with the revenue which means that the gross profit it is growing actually it is actually growing wow but uh yeah still not the best to see actually well let's take a look at operating income Operating income's not really growing. Sorry, that's the metric I should have taken a look at. Let's take a look at cash flow. So they were cash flow positive or operating cash flow positive. And something happened and in the trailing 12 months, it just fell off a cliff. And now it's negative. I have no idea why this happened. I would want to know why that happened before I consider this stock. Their investments in property planting equipment also just ballooned. They're probably investing in growth of some sort, because this is insane. So I'd want to know that. But with the operating cash flow decreasing and the CapEx growing, it means that free cash flow is going to be quite negative here of oh, $535 million. So the company is currently losing half a million dollars a year. And then if we go to the balance sheet, they have cash of $180 million. Um, current assets, though, of $174 So I would want to know why is their CapEx growing so much? Why is their operating cash flow down? Also, just keep in mind that the business's expenses seem to grow with the revenue. So it doesn't seem like it's really growing its profits that much. But uh, yeah, that's kind of my opinion. I don't really think that this is a super attractive stock, to be honest. I wonder what competitors they have. Because they did have debt, too. But yeah, it, yeah. it looks really bad when the expenses grow. I mean, I, I think one story that could be painted here is perhaps, like you said, they're investing in a lot more infrastructure. Maybe that's the right play to make. I think someone did say in here that golf is popping off right now. I have not really looked at metrics around that. It does feel like it's on TV a lot more and people are getting more into it. So yeah, maybe they're capitalizing on a trend. But if those investments don't pay off, you know, they have debt to deal with. They have lots of expenses. So yeah, I kind of agree with you here. Just... Feel, feeling kind of mad on this. I also don't like golf, so I, I I usually like to liken I like to invest in things that I actually like. Uh, so I, it would be very hard for me to like feel passionate about a golf company. Dude, fair enough. We have a question here from Nims saying, Daniel, did you ever do that portfolio competition with Jeremy? So Jeremy owns the financial education channel, over seven hundred thousand subscribers. At one point, he was asking other channels to do a portfolio stock picking contest and I was down I accepted his challenge and then it kind of just went nowhere I don't really know what happened he I believe I sent him an Instagram message and he never responded and then just never really heard back so yeah unfortunately that didn't happen but uh, I think that would have been fun I have been tracking that was the reason why I started the YouTube portfolio though on my main channel and I have been tracking my portfolio on the main channel. So if you want to at least come and check out mine, then uh, yeah, it's on my main channel. And I cover that probably at least once a month, whenever I make moves. Definitely. And I, I think we got about uh, five minutes here too. If anyone has something in the chat, send, send your messages now. Usually we are live on Saturdays. So again, if you are listening to the recording, Almost every Saturday, we go live. We really appreciate you guys coming here and showing your support. So thank you for both of us. We have another question about Jeremy while we're on the topic. What do you guys think of him selling Tattooed Chef? Um, I think it was probably... Looks like we just lost Jake. But I think it was probably the right move for him. There was a period where he reached out to me and asked for my opinion on Tattooed Chef. And I gave him my honest opinion. Um, basically said I thought the company was going to go under and that it was going to run out of cash and like destroy shareholder value that was probably a few months ago if not like six plus months ago he also asked me about a few other of his stocks in my opinion on them i gave him my honest opinion i was pretty I think that was over six months ago on yeah. that that was because you were you were raising the red flag on tattooed chef and beyond meat for a while and it wasn't it wasn't anything personal or emotional i think you were just yeah. looking at the financials and you're like, yeah, like they're burning tons of cash and like are not making cash and like we're heading into like like running out of money and like using yeah. the credit. And the Stock of Lock Insight score 
was really helpful there too. Anyways, yeah, I gave him my opinion on all, all his stocks. I think honestly, he made the right move by just selling. Like, I think that company's probably going to be a zero within the next couple of years. So whatever cash he had left, why not get it out? Um, yeah, but that's that. That that's that's what happened with Jeremy. So yeah. Also, uh, cheers to Knockabout. For those of you who are just joining, this is a very special one-off happy-hour stream. Normally, do not have adult beverages here. We did analyze Budweiser stock, and it's just great to be with you all on a Friday evening. Uh, someone actually had a question for me, but I didn't know what it meant. If you want to clarify what silver shares are, please do. I'm sorry. What? Which one is this, Jake? I'm, I'm scrolling up. I uh, Let's see. From Jill. Yeah. I'll take a few more quick comments. Um, I, I just accidentally, uh, if you want to re-click back on it. Sorry. Jake, how many pie silver stocks do you own, if you're sure? I don't know what this means. Pie silver. Uh, yeah. can, you, can you elaborate on what pie silver means? I I don't know what that means, but I'll just continue answering questions. I actually think it's that sliver, now that I read it. Wow, we're dyslexic. Anyways, still don't know what pie sliver means either, or silver. <laughs> Daniel, many thanks for great videos explaining BAM. I'm in. You're welcome. Um, hope you did your own research, though. <laughs> I definitely don't cover everything in the in the video, so hope, hopefully you did some extra research on your own, came to uh, your own conclusion on that one. I try to cover as much as I can, but definitely don't buy stocks just because I cover them. I'm not saying you did that, but just a general disclaimer. If you buy stocks just because Daniel buys them, we will find you. Do not do that. Oh, okay, Jake. Tiny positions. How many tiny positions? Daniel says I did. Well, <laughs> thank you. Okay. All right, Jake. Tiny positions. How many tiny positions do you own? Not a lot. There are some stocks that I inherited from my father, which I have just kind of held on to more for like sentimental reasons. This is when I buy tiny positions, and I've said this on a past stream, not financial advice, but works for me. Whenever I want to start an investment in any company, it doesn't matter what it is. It does not matter how bullish I am on it. I buy one or two shares for the sole purpose of holding them for a week and seeing how I feel. If I'm sleeping well, if I'm not thinking about it a lot, if I feel confident, if I like want to buy more and I go look back at the business, that to me, personally for me, is a really great way to warm up into buying a bigger position. I think in the past, I have made the mistake sometimes like going heavy first, and then, you know, like a week later, like not really losing anything, but looking back and saying, oh, I don't know why I did that. And then I feel like a stupid investor. So, you know, this is going back years and years ago. But yeah, it's, I always start off with tiny positions and I only buy a couple of shares at a time. I am a very true dollar cost average person. But yeah, not a lot. I am actually not a fan of diversification. I agree with Charlie Munger for the most part. That is actually diversification or a hedge against uncertainty. And that is not bad. But for me as an investor, I can do enough research and use stock and lock to gain a lot of confidence in what I hold and understand the risk I'm taking. So I don't really see much reason to diversify at all with some very minor exceptions. I did buy uh, some Kirkland Lake Gold stock that I actually found from a Daniel video, went to do my own research, really liked that during COVID and all the uncertainty with the money printing, kind of having a gold liner hedge. That was definitely diversification hedge against uncertainty. And I did actually make some money on that. They merged with AEM out on Algonquin. Uh, and yeah, that actually turned out pretty well for me. I slimmed down that position about 50% maybe a few months ago because it just became too big of a portion of my, of my portfolio. But yeah, big, big positions only. They always start small. Little uh, slivers of pie. It's funny because Charlie Munger thinks that four stocks is being diversified enough. And he I agree. It. He lives it in his own portfolio. He's got four stocks. Well, but here's the thing with investing, right? And then this is why I get on your case for owning five bank stocks. By the way, Daniel and I are really close friends. This is all fun banter. Because like when you get really confident on a stock, why do you need to own other ones? I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I just don't get it. Part of it, yeah, I guess. Part of it is just like, for me at least, I own, I think, four. No, I, I do own five banks. I own four Canadian ones, and then I actually own two Indian ones. So six, maybe five. It's five or six. Maybe I'll count later. But are we counting the Mysteria Regional Bank? Or oh, I forgot about that one too. <laughs> I definitely own six banks right now. 
That's such a small position. I forgot. I totally forgot. About like that. that, that to me sounds like something that I would consider diversification. Yeah. For me, it's like, okay, for that small bank stock, it honestly was just kind of fun. Like I found it, I thought it was so cheap. So I was like, I'm going to put less than much less than 1% of my portfolio in this and just see what happens. Um, so I did, and I'm just going to see how it plays out. So that's like a for fun position, but the four, the four Canadian bank stocks I own, I like all of them for different reasons. And this is kind of a problem I have is like the one I'm most bullish on for long-term gains is equitable bank. So I would say I have the largest position in that one by far. Then I own three other Canadian banks, TD, Royal Bank of Canada, and National Bank. They're all much smaller than Equitable Bank, but I like National Bank's exposure to Asia. They're one of the largest banks in Cambodia, and when I was there, Cambodia's economy is exploding. So I was like, sure, I'll own that one. TD Bank is heavily exposed to the U.S. They're growing strong in the U.S. as well as Canada. So I was like, Sure, I'll get some diversification in the U.S. through TD Bank. And Royal Bank of Canada is just like the best Canadian bank, like the best large Canadian bank. Consistently has the highest return on equity. Um, consistently overperforms the S&P 500. So I was like, I want some of that too. So I just want them all. <laughs> I want some of that too. I'll just throw it in my bag. I, you, you sound like a... Uh, someone who really loves clothing who is in a department store and they know they shouldn't buy three outfits but they love fashion so much and no I think this is from the love of stocks it's making me think of a song I'll embarrass myself on but if anyone knows it some auto-tune song that's like just throw it in the bag no it's like for me it's weird man like even if I own a really small position in the stock I'm still just like I want some exposure to it you know eat that in early even if it's like 1%, I'm like, I just I just want it in my portfolio just to have a mental check that it's like, I am exposed to that stock. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> no, no, th th this is great. I feel like we're really off the cuff right now. Um, It makes me so sad to say this. As most of you know, I'm actually at my aunt's house and do have a capped time frame right now. We would love to hear some feedback in the chat. This is the first time we have ever done a happy hour stream on a Friday. Let us know what you think. Also, we do see all these questions. Uh, I see our bro friend uh, day trading in here too. We do our best to get to them. Please keep on uh, coming back or coming to the Discord. We're always happy to talk about stocks there. I will share the link. Uh, but Daniel, I do think I have to run in about a minute or so. Any any last thoughts, words, one more comment you want to take from the chat here? I'm grabbing the Discord link to share with everyone. It, it's totally free, by the way. Just a bunch of stock nerds talking about stocks. Uh, no, I gotta I gotta get running too. I have to prepare for camping tomorrow. I've not prepared. So that's going to be my night. <laughs> that sounds great. Run into grocery stores. Well, hey, thank you everyone for hanging out with us. Again, if you're listening on Spotify or if you haven't followed us on Spotify yet, we would really appreciate a rating there and honest one. Tell us what you think. If you are watching the recording, come hang out with us live sometime. Oh, it is midnight by refused art, but you are here. Wow. Well, that is great. Sorry it's so late for you. We do have global viewers, so it's impossible to pick the best time for everyone. We do our best. All right. Yeah. All right. I'll uh, I'll hit the I'll hit the end broadcast button. Right. Have a great great weekend, everyone, and enjoy camping, Daniel. Thank you. <laughs>